cliffcentral.com. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I love those bells. Hello and very welcome to Beyond Ears and Eyes on Cliff Central. Good to have you with us. I'm Shemaine Harris and our controller is Palisa Mabuye. Hi, Palisa Baba. Hello. Oh. I'm Liesl Tom and Palisa told me I'm not allowed to say she looks like a 12-year-old. And then our lovely guest we will introduce now said she looks like a 10-year-old. Hi, Palisa. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest is smoking hot. She is oh. very hot. But uh, the soul. Oh, mm. oh, the soul. Okay. Enough, enough, enough. <laughs> Our guest today in studio is the wonderful Candace Mama. Candace, thank you for joining us. Oh, you have guys. such an inspirational story and our theme today is forgiveness. Okay. And that is something that you had to do very publicly. I think we all have had to forgive at least someone mm. in our lives. Yeah. But your story, very poignant. You are writing a book about it. Mm-hmm. Your dad, Vincent Mama, was one of the Nelspreet Four killed by Eugene de Kock. Yes. And you found it in your heart to very publicly forgive Eugene. Mm. Tell us, how, how did this happen? You know, to be honest, it, it didn't start off as a public forgiveness. You know, it wasn't something that I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to do a press release and tell the world I'm forgiving mm. this man. You know? <laughs> It just ended up in that way. But um, I went to go see Eugene, myself and my family. We went into Kosimampura prison and we it was just an organized meeting. So we went in, we met him, we shared stories. You know, he told us exactly what happened to my father, you know, how they got killed, that kind of thing. And after a while, you know, I mean, it was a 45 minute interaction, but we shared so much in that space that I couldn't leave without having forgiven him. Like, I mean, I'd forgiven him prior. And I think that's very important for people to know. I, I forgave him before I met him, just to free myself. Mm-hmm. But after having met him, it was just easier to extend it to him, just to free him of a little bit of the guilt he had. Yeah, I was going to ask, what was it about him mm. that made you go, yes, I, other than for myself, mm-hmm. I want to forgive you too. Because you know what? You're also yeah. lifting the burden from the other person. Yes. So there must have been something that made you go, okay, yes, you are Worthy, for lack of a better word, mm. of my forgiveness and my releasing you. You know what? Two words spring to mind sincerity and empathy. You know, I think it was very difficult to be in that moment without having felt how sincere he was in communicating. Mm. And I think a lot of people questioned that. They said, you know, how do you know he wasn't acting? He wanted parole, that kind of thing. And, you know, it's a feeling, you know, you know, it's, mm. it's a soul thing where you just know that this person can't fake this. There's no ways. And I mean, my whole family felt a similar feeling that he had been, you know, authentic in that moment. And, you know, it was easier just to just say it to him. You know, and even though I know that he's got burdens that I can't lift myself, but I mean, just letting him know that, you know what, mm-hmm. from me to you, I do forgive you. Have you forgiven him enough to be able to have a cup of tea with him? Yeah, you know, if the opportunity like would arise, I would definitely have a cup of tea with him. And I think it's the kind of thing that I'd want to see him outside of the confined space, Mm -hmm. you know, and just get to know him as a human being. But I don't think I'd want to dive into the story of my father again. I just want to get to know him in a more, you know, sincere environment Mm -hmm. that's not controlled and that doesn't have like 10 other people listening in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said that, you know, you didn't plan on doing this publicly. Mm -hmm. Now, they they might be people who think that 
forgiveness is something that's completely just internal. Mm. This forgiveness process, it must have started long ago because mm. you can't just it's it's you know pain is almost like an onion yes. and there are those layers mm. when you were small what what thoughts went through your head about your dad you know what i was angry i think that's the core human being i was and mm. at the time i mean you're nine years old you don't know that you're angry you just think that this is life this is how you experience life and i think i got to around 16 when i had like a health scare and i, I thought i was having a heart attack my family admitted me to the hospital and i went through a gastroscopy i think it's called and the doctor said you know you weren't having a heart attack but you've got tremendous stress for someone your age and at 16 to hear those words it gives you a fright because you think you're going to live forever mm. So I think after that moment, I didn't, I left the hospital feeling arrogant, like, oh, well, whatever, you know, I'm justified. And, <laughs> and it's in you were a teen as well. Right? So it was like doubled up. Exactly. It was like, come back On again. Steroids, You're totally, yeah, no, you're, you're forgiven with that one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think it took, it took a while. It had to sink in. And I realized that, you know, it wasn't just a Eugene thing. I needed to forgive everyone I was angry at, which was my family, my stepdad, my mother, you know, every Everyone in my life, I needed to forgive them because I had to understand they did the best they could with Mm. what they knew at the time. Mm. And after the journey, I think that's when I really took on the process. And it took a year or so for me to actually feel free, to feel happy again. You know, you mean a year after your diagnosis? Or? Yes, about like around seventeen, eighteen. I started feeling like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm living. You are, man, you're hot. That young, you got no, those yeah, insights. I have to say, yeah, for, for, I was thinking, you know, <gasps> yeah. as you were verbalizing your thoughts, mm. I was thinking for a 16-year-old, 17-year-old uh-huh. to have the emotional the intelligence mm. to verbalize these concepts. It's just, I mean, when, when, when I asked yeah. Candace to come on the show, Shemaine, I said to her, I would like for her to channel her wisdom because she's wise. Mm. She is. And it's something that we do think. We, we think that young people have to go through life first mm. before they mm. can be wise. But mm. obviously your soul came in with a purpose. Yeah. Do you know what your purpose is, Candace? You know, for a while, I thought my purpose was external. So it was always about like getting the fame, being here, being seen, being that kind of thing. And then I realized my love for people. You know, I'm a communicator and I'm a lover. So if I can leave a space and people are happier for me having been there, then that makes me happy and that mm. fills my soul. So if I can touch as many people as possible for me, that is, you know, my purpose. I like that because I've, I, I totally get that concept. You mm. want to leave people in a better space than yes. when you found them. Yes. And I, I also read somewhere on the internet that mm-hmm. you're a happiness activist. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking, happy that's near. <laughs> Let's delve. So is yes. that part of the concept? You know, it is because uh, thank you for the compliment of the wisdom. And, but you know, I can't credit it just to myself. Like, I mean, I read a lot of books and that's one thing I'm grateful to my mother for, you know, the secret, um, the answer. I had all those books in the house. So we were always encouraged to read. So I think it expanded my mind instead of watching TV, I was reading. So I had a greater understanding at an earlier age. So I think now as I'm growing older, happiness is my cause. You know, I've, 
because I realized you are responsible for the energy you bring into a room. Mm. You know, if you come into a room more, but you can't expect everyone around you just to be like, hey, mm. you know, but if you come into a room happy, you fill that space just by your aura. Your aura speaks way before you open your mouth. Mm. So that's when I really took on the thing. And I was sitting one day and I was like, what would I want to be remembered as? And I thought a, a happiness activist, a happiness creator, you know, so yeah. So that happiness that you create. Mm. You give it away and then what? What fills you up? It it actually does fill me up. That's the irony, right? Because you think that I'm giving, I'm giving. Mm. But that's not the cause of it, right? Because you walk into a space and you realize how receptive people are just mm. to a smile mm. and to just energy. And you that feeds you as well. So it's like a reciprocal process. It's not I'm not this selfless human who walks through life like I just want to give. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm receiving as well. You know, people are very receptive and people smiling, you know, people being good, Mm. expressing kindness. You know, for me, those are things that feed my soul. So you you expect people to be good. I I generally walk through life feeling that people are good, just experiencing difficult circumstances. All Mm -hmm. of us are in a different space, you know. So, yeah, so I genuinely do feel that everyone wants to be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us really enjoy being miserable. We used to it, but we don't enjoy it. Yeah, there's no no fun in it. The, the, no. there's, it's a the passion is gone for exactly. for being mad. I mean, who yeah. wants that? No. Like you said, when you walk into a room and people feel your energy, mm. they respond to exactly that. And when you walk in, people respond to your positivity and your loud, lovely energy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes I feel like I force them. I'm like, smile. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I'm a freak. You have to smile. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, but it's a beautiful energy because I mean, it's it kind of like Ailey, It's like we we look at you and we go like, we want her. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just take her. Yeah, so we've so awesome We've taken you right now. You're, you're one of the clan. Happily, let's go back to that angry teenager. Yes, yes. When did you realize that you are forgiving people, or did it? Did you just realize one day that there's a burden that's gone? Was it a conscious process? Look, initially it is a conscious process because you have to remind yourself on a daily basis because you don't wake up being unhappy for 16 years and then all of a sudden one day you're just like, I'm going to be happy. And you Mm -hmm. start smiling every day, you know, because that actually messes with your mind more. So after having read The Secret, like, you know, they were like, just Fake it so you make it. Like, you know, just pretend you're happy. And for me, that actually did the adverse. It made mm, me realize how yes. unhappy I really was. And in a way, it actually, it was what illuminated the unhappiness, you know, because it was a magnifying glass. So I thought to myself, okay, so I really am unhappy. I'm really like 16 and bitter, you know. And I mean, I'd walk through the street and I remember my brothers would have a long running joke that, you know, you just scare people everywhere you go. <laughs> you just, you're just like a fumigation. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers are mean Exactly They're like you know If if we got into a fight We just call you Like (laughs) So that's when I realized That you know even though it was rooted in a joke that I really was unhappy. So it started a process and I had to every day wake up and say, I'm no longer angry at my mother. I'm no longer angry at my father. I'm no longer angry at Eugene. I'm no longer, you know, so it was a constant affirmation every day waking up. And before I knew it, it didn't even have to be a conscious effort to repeat those words. It started being like, Hey, what, what makes me happy? Mm-hmm. And seeking happiness while going through the process of forgiveness gave me the balance because then I could see things from both sides. And be balanced. Mm. Mm. 
So you literally set yourself up. Yes, I had to. Uh, I had to. Yeah. yeah. So, cause I have heard a lot of people go, you, you now mentioned that the, the, the secret, uh, saying that, you know, just fake it till you yes. make it had a bit of an adverse, mm. but a reverse adverse yes. effect on you. Yes. So, um, which is great because if you, I don't know, if you get to a point where you actually say, okay, that is rubbish, but I can <laughs> use it in, in this way. Yes. That's, that's, that's amazing, you yeah. know, where you, because normally we, our, our instinct would be just let it, it go. It doesn't work. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm still amazed at the fact that you could do it at such a young age. Cause I, I'm, well, I still remember what it was like to be young and mm. angry and, yes. um, also with, with the societal things around mm. you, you know, and then how do you, how do you balance it now? Do you, do you still go back to a place where you're still angry mm. and can you identify where it comes yes. from? So for me personally, I know where my trigger points are. And I think that's the most important thing because I'm not perfect. I understand that. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and the angels sing. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I ha- like I realized that my, I've got a lot of imperfections, but I also understand that there's certain triggers that mm. take me to a certain place in my mind that I don't want to be. So for me, I genuinely live in a state of introspection because as soon as you stop doing that, it's easier to revert to old patterns. You know, you go a week and you're unhappy and you don't understand why because you stop looking internally mm. as mm. to wait, something triggered me, but what was it? You know, so now that I. I better understand my trigger points. It's easier for me to be able to identify and fix, you know, as I go. So it doesn't mean I don't have unhappy days or days mm. where I'm just irritated or, you know, angry. Or where you hit the floor, the bathroom yes. floor. Exactly. Flooded by tears. <laughs> <laughs> or like in a music video in the shower and you're just like, <laughs> I'm bringing my Alicia Keys out, you know. <laughs> but I don't, I, the one thing I do try to do, regardless of the situation or state of mind, I try not to blame. Mm. I always look mm. internally. I say, what about, even if someone treats me badly, I'll always say, like in a relationship, for example, I'll say to myself, why, what, why did I allow this behavior to occur? Mm. And for how long have I been condoning this behavior before it became an issue? Mm. So, you know, I always flip it because although someone can treat you in a certain way, it's about how much of it you're willing to accept. You know, so yeah, so I try not to blame, but to yeah. look inside, yeah. And like you say, allow how much. Yes. Because sometimes you, you, you disallow it, but then you go back to that yes. place and you go like, oh my goodness, I'm back on that treadmill yes. again. How did I get here? Mm. So, but I mean, it's, it's great because that's, we were talking about, I mean, Liz and I talk about everything. So, <laughs> yeah. um, where you go, um, you know, that thing mm. that happened to me is actually a blessing in disguise, mm. you know? So, so the little bits of, I don't know, um, Things that hurt and annoy, mm. they, the trigger points for growth. But yes. it's, it just, you know, we just don't want to remember because I mean, don't you just, <laughs> I love having, well, not every now and again, maybe once a year, mm. I like having a very good pity party with of anger, course. you know, <laughs> yes. I'm just mad, I'm just vexed mm. and mm. You know, and it comes out and I go like, what was that all about? It was so <laughs> ugly. <laughs> Who is that person? <laughs> you know, you know. Yes. Lisa? Now I have to say these two drama queens here in the studio <laughs> are completely overwhelming me. I'm sitting here quietly in a corner. And <laughs> now don't you believe it? She's going, okay, we just stop the fire. I just want to come back to forgiveness. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, yes. <laughs> Bring the Let's tea. get back. Let's get back. So Lisa, go. <laughs> with that forgiveness thing that you want to go with. Go on then. You do sometimes find that 
that anger or that, that onion, if, yes. we, if we look at, at issues like an onion, do you sometimes find that there are still layers that you have to mm. forgive? And are you surprised to find that onion is I'm, still there? I'm not necessarily surprised. I know that as I w- walk through this journey, there are things I uncover that I'm like, whoa, okay. Especially when you're writing a book because that's kind of the most – introspection you're going to get because you're forcing yourself to deal with things that you wouldn't normally deal with. So I I remember I was writing a certain chapter in the book or, you know, going through a process and just going backtracking. And I was like, whoa, but it was so funny because it was something that was linked to something completely different that like gave me an aha moment. I was like, oh, this is why I behave in this way for this, you know? And I think in that moment I had like a little meltdown and I cried a little and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, and then I pulled myself together and I was like, you know, I'll get back to this, you know, I'll get back to it tomorrow or whatever. But, you know, there are always moments in the forgiveness process because although you forgive the human being, the person, there's still certain pain, you know. Mm. So I can say I forgive my mom for not having raised me the way I needed to be raised. Oh, the way you thought. The way I thought. You needed should, to. She, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to understand that she wasn't raised in that way. So mm. she could only give me what she mm. had, you know. And for me, that all just boiled down to I'm not lovable. You know, I'm not worthy of love, mm-hmm. which triggered all mm-hmm. other things in my life of behaviors, patterns, you know, how you choose men, how you choose everything in your life. And so, I mean, every now and again, I still get to that point where I'm like, whoa, I'm dealing with this, you mm. know, and I'm still forgiving. And mm-hmm. I try not to take it back to her. But to just be like this, an internal thing that I need to fix within myself. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that every single person on this planet, mm. except one who claims she doesn't have issues that, 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 <laughs> that, that, that were created by her mother. I'm thinking of one specific person. But and apart who from is her, that? No, no. <laughs> apart from her, everybody else in this world mm. has some issue or another that was started by the way they were raised. Yes. And, and and I often say to people, I think it's a parent's job to stuff up a child. <laughs> it gives yes. them the manure to grow from. Yes. Yes. And having that ability to say, you know, my mother did the best she could. She, she, she gave what she had. Mm. That's an immensely liberating it is. thought for yourself. Mm. And and a gift. If, if the person... Want, wants to receive it because for a parent it could look uh, well it could look like you you're saying you did a really shy job but okay thank you very much for what you yes. could do you know what I mean yeah. so thanks for the little you did but yeah, damn. You, you you did what you could with what you had and it was just not you know precisely good enough or mm. so so depending also where the person is to receive that because yeah. because I think if your child comes and says you know you 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 did your best yes you know they're going. I forgive you, mm. but you weren't perfect, and and it's and it's amazing if the person can receive that in the yeah. spirit of forgiveness and love that yeah. it was given. Shemaine, but you raise a very interesting point because, and I want to ask mm. your take on this, Candice. Is it necessarily necessary for the person who you forgive to a know that you've forgiven mm. them, and b to be receptive to that? You know, it's so funny because I actually speak about this when I do talks and stuff. And I always say to people, firstly, when you're forgiving, you need to understand that it's a completely selfish act, you know. Absolutely. And people are like, selfish? You know, no. She hurt me. I'm going to tell her. Like, you know, <laughs> you know but it's, it's really a healing, a, a healing and a building act within yourself. So you, you have to understand that 
the person you're forgiving might not necessarily feel remorse. Mm -hmm. They might not necessarily feel, you know, that they warrant your forgiveness. You know, they just might not be receptive to it. They might understand that, you know, they hurt you, but they're not receptive to receiving that you forgive them. So for me, I think to myself, you know, there's certain moments where you can extend it. You know, for me, Eugene was a case where I felt like I needed to extend it or just like, you know, I just felt it within me. But then there's certain people I'm just like, I forgive you because I'm not going to walk around with your like gunk in my system. Mm. But I'm not necessarily going to call you and be like, hey, you know, when you didn't call, call me back, I forgive you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's not necessary Definitely for not. someone to apologize no. or to show remorse. No. And that is something very human, isn't it, Jermaine? Because we want mm. those who have harmed us to know, yes. hey, you bugger, yes. you hurt me. So we want them to show remorse and apologize and only then can we forgive them. Yeah. And and that's not real forgiveness. That's not the, the, the kind of forgiveness that really sets you free, mm. is it? No, mm. no, 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 no. Because, you know, sometimes I've realized, especially in life, you know, all of us Human beings are just scarred, you know, so they, we all living with a certain sense of baggage that we're carrying from here, where, whatever. And, and it's good. And it's good. It's good because it makes once, us complex. Yes. You know, and once we, we don't have that, then it's time to go home. Exactly. When we've worked through all of it, it's time to go. That is you exactly know? it. But clock out. Because you're done. Yes. Because it's a learning experience, like growing, mm. humanity, you know, you, we're constantly growing from our pain. And when you realize this, you're like, okay, so not everyone is going to understand at that time that they've hurt you. They'll understand it like in five, 10 years, but or that's never. too late or mm. never. And they might go to the, business. it's none of your business, you know, for it's, it's just about you letting go, mm. you know, because forgiveness is really about letting go of your emotional baggage. It's like saying, I refuse for you to control me any further with this pain and, and the, I'm cutting it loose. And the thing is, it's constant. It doesn't just, you, you, you get through the first hurdle yes. and then like you say, mm. then you, then something else triggers it and yes. then you go through another one and another one. So forgiveness could last a lifetime. Oh yeah. One piece of forgiveness mm. for, to, you know, one person where you go like, okay, now we're going at that again. Let's, let's move that back again. Yes. So we, we always tend to think that, yeah, I've forgiven you. So it's gone and it's done. Yeah. <clears throat> the scars, the remnants, you know, the, the debris, lessons. the lessons, you know, it's, it stays mm. there. And I mean, it depends on what we do with it. Yeah. No. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big baggage thing that. <laughs> So how much do you still cry when you write your memoirs or when you write the book or the process? Is it cathartic or is it depressing? Or You know what? Um, I wrote a first draft, right? And this was right after the whole Eugene thing. And, and I'm like, I've become enlightened, which is foolish mistake number one. <laughs> Um, Foolish human mistake number one. I I, I fell yeah. into my own hype, and <laughs> so I started writing. And actually, the first draft made me realize how how much baggage I still had. Mm. So I wrote this book, and I sent it off to a friend of mine who wanted to publish it at the time. And immediately, like after I sent it, I knew in my soul this is not the book that the world needs. And I said to him, you know what? That was more just to let go of mm. the remnants of the mm. pain I still had. And then in the second book, it's so much more cathartic. It's, you know, getting, I get moments where I smiled. I have moments where I'm sad, you know, because my dad's upbringing wasn't great either. So, you know, I'm getting to know him for the first time in my life. I'm really taking time to know who he was as a person, getting all the, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, because he was no saint either. Mm. Well, isn't you know? that one of the things, the moment someone dies, they mm. are immediately yeah. 
sanctified, sanctified, and we don't say anything negative about them ever. And that for a child. Now, both Shemaine and I have Mm. lost parents, so we we, we feel you there. Mm. And we know this challenge that people don't speak ill of the dead. So you don't know, and I'm speaking for myself, I didn't know that my mother was... Had had a bit of a, a, a temper and an attitude. Mm. I thought there was something wrong with me because yes. no one ever told me that your mother could fly off the broom handle at any moment mm. if you press the wrong buttons. Yeah. And I thought that was me. So getting to know your parent who's yes. not there helps you to understand. Do you believe that we carry our parents' issues in our, our DNA. issues in our tissues? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think so. And I think that's just a, just a different spiritual plane, you know. I mean, these are two spiritual beings that came together to create you. So it would be very difficult to just be like, no, you know, it was just like your biology, you know. So I think we do carry certain things of our parents within ourselves. And that's why when you do have a living parent or, you know, you realize how when they look at you, you know, through their eyes, how, Sometimes they want to live vicariously through you because mm. they understand that I was robbed of ABC and, you know, you are a extension of me in a mm. sense, you know. So that's why some parents really struggle to let go, mm. you know, because you're an extension of them. Mm. Yeah. And this journey of yours, sorry, Shemaine. <laughs> I want to go somewhere as well. We're just so excited about this conversation. And, you know, the one thing Martha Beck always says, the soul loves to hear what it already knows. So this mm. entire conversation yes. is just, it's so wonderful. Because yeah. actually, we all know as human beings yeah. that the best way to set yourself free is to let go of all the, the nonsense. Mm. But... I'm sensing you, and tell me where I'm yes, wrong, please. that your journey has also taken you on a very spiritual quest. Mm. And have you found answers? Do you know where you plug in, where you tune in? You know, it did, because I think at 18, although I already reached the full kind of understanding of what forgiveness really was, but I think only until about 22, I could say that, okay, I'm living a fruitful life. I internally am aligned, mm-hmm. you know, and I think for me personally, and this is not for everyone, I needed to leave what I had grown up believing. So, you know, I grew up in a church and, you know, always every Sunday kind of thing. And for me, they the messages were very disempowering to my soul. Mm-hmm. So that's just a personal journey. So I had to leave the church and go and quest and just find out about all other religions, like the Baha'i faith, Jew, Judaism, you know, um, uh, Buddhism. And although Buddhism is not a religion, but, you know, so I had to go on these quests and just find out what is the core of all these, all these religions. And to me, the message was love. Mm. You know, if you live a life of love, (laughs) then you can't go wrong. Yeah. So if you love in, you know, if every action you take is from a place of love, then even in retrospect, when you've made a mistake, you're like, but I still wouldn't have done it any differently because in that moment I was acting from a place of pure love, Mm. you know? So for me, that's how I live my life now. You know, I need my alone time, you know, so I need to plug out from the world, take away my gadgets, everything, and just tune into the creator now and again, just, you know, every day about 30 minutes where I'm just alone in silence and just, you know, breathing and just thinking, you know, so for me, that's how I plug in. Now it's your turn, Shemaine. <laughs> She's sitting here. Okay, maybe now it's good to, to give an ident. This is Cliff Central, and you are listening to Beyond Ears and Eyes with Candice Mama, and we're speaking about forgiveness. Oh, yeah. So this this whole thing of yours is very beautiful, and 
coming from your your background, mm. obviously it was politicized or yeah. there was a lot of politics in it. Um, and there was the whole black white issue. Yes. So how, and it's still going now. Mm. So, uh, I mean, your daddy basically died for us to be able to sit here yes. and, and have these moments where yeah. we can sit and be honest and open and mm. talk about it. Um, but now we're going through a new cycle of anger, you know. Yeah. Um, what does that do for you in your psyche? Do you go like, um, actually, you know, I just see everyone as the same mm. um, or actually we can do better than this? You know, I, I think there was a saying that was very popular at one stage that I don't see color. You know, everyone used to be like, I don't see color. Rubbish. You know? <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> exactly. Trevor Noah, Trevor yes. Noah asked the woman I the other day, it. so what do you do at a traffic light? <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. We do because see color. We say that all the time, right? Because it makes us neutral. It yes. all of a sudden makes us like Mother Teresa's of, you know, race. Mm. But I think that in order to identify someone's struggle, you need to see their color mm. because a struggle that you go through being a certain Pigment or being a certain gender mm-hmm. I, If I do, if I fail to see That you are at a disadvantage because of that Then it's no longer equality mm. You know now it's just unfair You know the levels are unfair so for me I do see you know I see color And I mm. respect color I just I, And 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 do you know I enjoy it I love because it. that's it's kind of like having pink and blue. Right, pink Liesel doesn't like. But you she's don't go got to a the, pink bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, pink is me. <laughs> orange is a. Yeah. yeah, I don't like orange. <laughs> love pink. <laughs> so, so and that's exciting because yeah, because it's like having different things to play exactly. with, and it's they embraced. all add. You know, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a melting pot. Mm. But I, I want to take that. it back to where Shemaine started mm. and where my mind went yes. when she started with mm. this. How do we, as South Africans, who are constantly polarized by politicians for their own gain, yeah. how do people like you and me and Shemaine help our country to stay in the in the rainbow mm. that that Desmond Tutu and Madiba spoke about. You know what? I think it actually is important that you're labeling each and every one of us because it's exactly that personal accountability. You know, so for me, I was speaking to a lady. I was shopping, and I ended up in this shop, and we started having a conversation, and she said something like, "You know, I hate how white people undermine me in this shop, whatever." And I said, "But what energy are you giving all for them to?" Be able to speak down to you For you to receive that kind of energy You know because it's how you relate as your as a human being to other people, because I can walk, I'm constantly in rooms with just people, uh, white people, or you know, just a certain ethnicity, and I never walk in like, oh my god, I'm black. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. I walk in and I'm like, I'm Candace, mm. you know, and I respect myself enough to be treated with respect, you know. So it's firstly a lot of a lot of us, and I think a lot of people of color need to respect ourselves and say. I own my space in the world, you know, and I deserve to be in the world amongst everyone. And then after that, it's how you treat others. You know, how you're going to treat, you know, if you see a white person who does something bad, you're going to be like, oh, all white people, you know, because mm-hmm. generalizations is generally what kills us, you know, because you see one white person acting in a certain way and it's all of a sudden all white people. You see one black person, all black women are angry, you know, mm-hmm. so it's just killing the generalizations and in your community or in your space really Acting in a certain way mm. But these generalizations come from somewhere Oh yeah um, And we mustn't be blinded by the fact that some people are just plain bloody rude Oh yeah And they're just acting from a space of ignorance and And 
fear. And, yes. and fear. Is that yes. not the root you know, of be, it? Yeah, possibly. I'm, I don't know. I don't want to analyze that one right But sometimes you go like, yes. listen, your preconceived ideas are costing you and me time right now. So it doesn't matter how confident you are of who yes. you are in your space in the world. There are some people who are bitter enough to just knock it. And in that way, mm. it's not about owning your space. It's about blocking what they're trying to give you. And it's very important as well in the whole, you know, being beautiful and walking in and being, you know, embracing your space as a human being. But just have to know when to draw the line. Mm. You know, you can't let people disrespect Mm. you because that's another thing that people think that if I go in and embrace everyone and one person is racist, then I need to deal with it. But you you need to really be assertive. You can't allow that kind of behavior or rhetoric to go on. You know, so it's really having that fine balance. And it's it's very difficult for any one of us to say Mm. at this moment. Moment that I am not racist or I don't have racial yeah. issues. You know, it's, it's, I, I'm looking for that person. You know, I might find it with children who grew oh, up yeah. in, uh, families who are mixed. into mixed yeah. race and culturally mixed. That for me, but, but grown ups, okay. I don't know, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, what, what I'm not seeing. The problem is because of the privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's very hard not to be able to witness the privilege and say that everything's equal and fair, you know, because your eyes can see what's there. Mm. So I think that's really a problem. But then that's where uh, life's always been like that and mm. life's always going to be unfair and it is unfair. There's a book um, by Michael Newton. I, I, that thing changed my life. Mm. There, there are two books. It's one is Journey and the other one is Destiny of souls. Did I tell you about that? Mm-hmm. And destiny, and I mean, it just talks mm. to you about your space in between lives. So where you go and, 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 and what happens in that space. And even if you're skeptical, I mean, it just makes so much sense that when you come back, mm. um, how you recognize things and, um, and how you, you, you do your life, you go, I'm not going to, that thing that you said, you don't blame anyone, you know, um, and, and you recognize that you're supposed to go through certain things. You recognize that you've chosen a few, uh, lessons to learn for whatever reason, yeah. you know, so I, I, I embrace the fact that life's unfair and I embrace that somebody is going to hurt me sometime and that I'm going to do the same to somebody. Um, that, that whole thing is real, yes. you know, and we can't walk around bitter mm. all the time yeah. because of it. Yes. Mm, and the thing with, with hurting people, um, most of the time, it's not intentional. Mm. Most yes. of the time, if I say something to you, Candace, and, and it happens to be one of your trigger points, I don't even know that. Exactly. But you go away thinking that woman is such a bitch, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. my intention, as you said earlier, you know, if your intention comes from a place of love, then you are also part of that mm. person's lessons. Yes. Do you believe that we are here to learn lessons? Oh, Yes. I think life is a lesson. It's this huge lesson book. And then after we learn what we have to learn, then we go, you know, because I think life, as much as we don't enjoy pain, I think I've learned my biggest and greatest Mm. and I've grown the most from pain, you know, as much as we'd like to be happy all the time. But we are going to experience a level of discomfort. And when you're uncomfortable, that's when you know you're growing. Mm. So, you know, I think every day is a lesson. Every person you encounter is teaching you something Mm. if you're willing to learn. Do you like it here on earth? You know, sometimes humans get under my skin because I'm like, why are you guys so dumb? <laughs> yeah, we, don't do, we don't do stupid and we don't do ugly, do we? Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm just like, you know, because I think a lot of the things that we 
magnify and amplifies problems uh, don't necessarily need to be that big a deal. You know, if we just sat down with ourselves and if we, if we were more conscious as people, mm-hmm. I think we'd be living in a greater, you know, in a greater space. But I, I mean, I'm enjoying my time on earth so far. So far, <laughs> it's interesting. Are you, in, are you are you are you enjoying your time here, Liesel? Absolutely, I love so many things about. I love living in this day and age where oh. we have technology. Mm. I adore technology. I am acutely aware yes. of the downside to it. Acutely aware of the dangers, but I simply love the idea that we are going to send people to Mars. They are going to use 3D printers yes. to print infrastructure. How amazing! How awesome is it that I can think of you and don't have to work extremely hard at developing my telepathy <laughs> because all I have to do pick up is pick up my phone, press a few <laughs> buttons, and there we are connected. I love, I love the fact that it connects us. Shemaine and I. <laughs> yeah, no, no. She, she, she got me on tech now. Okay, but technology is not the only thing. Oh, yeah. I love synchronicity. I love seeing. Those happy accidents, mm. because the moment you become aware of them, they oh. just become more and more and more. Mm. And I love what you are saying, Candice, about taking responsibility for your own journey. Yeah, because that is one of the most empowering things that you can do for yourself. And I almost want to venture and say that I think taking responsibility for your own Feelings for your own emotions and your own thoughts is almost more empowering than forgiveness. Oh, yes. I agree with you 150%. I couldn't have put it better. Yeah. What has this forgiveness thing that your family embarked on, Mm. what did it add to your family dynamic? You know, my family is a very strange one. You know, we've got our own little dynamics and, you know, it didn't change us much because we weren't, we were never like, Huggy kind of family, you know, or we sat around the table. What? Sorry, uh, I have to interrupt yes, you. Please. You don't come from a touchy feely no. huggy family. That's why I just hug everyone now. <laughs> I was just I'm just like, <laughs> like the security guard opens the gate. I'm just like, come in, bring, bring it in. <laughs> you know? I tell the security not to hug Lisa that he's going to lose his job. I was like, you keep hugging people, you're going to lose your job. They're going to say, he's getting too friendly now. People like us are a problem, Lisa. Yeah, your people are like, causing problems. And you, and you girls are so cute. Security can't help. I mean, he uh, must go uh, like, can I just, us. can I get out? You're not excluding yourself from the circle, madam. No, you're not. We huggers, right? We, we enjoy. You know, it's so funny because my family is very, um, I mean, we get along. Reserved. It's not reserved because we speak about everything. You know, my mm. mom is more like my sister now. And the roles have kind of changed and, you know, morphed into different things. But we not, it didn't change us much because it wasn't something that was a conversation to begin with. You okay. know, so we kind of just on the same, like what we were before. It's just like, oh, it happened. Great. Okay. You know, move on. And what did you do with the big hoo-ha that was suddenly made with you for giving yeah. Eugene? Did you go like, oh, my God. Oh, it was intimidating. <laughs> And you did say earlier you got tripped up by your ego. About, yeah. Huh? <laughs> you I'm know, a saint. I'm forgiven. You no, know, but you know, it's funny. I think it wasn't even the ego thing at the time, to be honest. If I'm like taking it out of the joke context, mm. then, you know, it was actually very frightening. It was because for me, I was like, I'm being 
put as the saint, you know, mm. and that's a very intimidating place mm. to be, especially mm. as a young person. You're growing, you're making mistakes, you know, and you're like, if they knew what I did on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell mama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like these headlines would change, you know. <laughs> so I think it was um, the fear of being built up too much. I think I was scared that I wouldn't be able to develop who I was as a human being because I'd be boxed into this, you know, category of being a saint. You know, and a lot of the headlines were bordering on that. They were, you know, Ooh. causing this huge hoo-ha. And I mean, it gave me a lot of, I mean, I'm so grateful. I'm, I mean, it just started off as a Facebook status and I was not Facebook popular. I had like 200 friends and I put it on as just the status to say, you know, I had a life changing experience. And to me, you know, I don't share my experiences online. But I just felt like I needed to the share deep ones, one. the ones that that you go that like, oh, that's yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. that's a personal mm. thing. And for me, after having met Eugene, it just like it was just an outlet for me because I thought three people would like it and my life would go on. No, it went viral, and all of a sudden people were just blowing up my phone, and you know, so I wasn't expecting it, and it took me by like surprise. And for a while, I was scared, you know, because I was like, people are asking me, and at the time I was twenty three. And I was like, people are asking me for advice on how to get over their marriage. I'm like, I've never been married. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was a very big responsibility, but I'm grateful that I managed to learn through it. And, you know, I managed to stay true to myself and stay authentic, you know, and I think that's really what changed me. And, and you know mm. what? I think at the core, we all want to, um, forgive. We all want to have that internal growth and to see it, um, Openly, you know, is something amazing because we normally forgive people in the privacy of mm. our homes. You know, yeah. you don't have that big conversation where you go like, all righty, I'm going to forgive you. Yeah. You go like, we're calling a family meeting <laughs> and we're going to discuss this, you know, the in private. Will also be here. Yes, you know. And now yeah. suddenly, you, because you see your fears and the answers to it mm. uh, f- from someone else. Yes. This is perspective or um, demonstrated by someone else. So mm. it, it's a beautiful thing. So I can understand why people went, ooh. Because mm. for me, it's like, it, it was a beautiful thing, but it was like, damn, Eugene, you're lucky. You know? <laughs> yes. But then also I get the other side where he must, re- he must really, there is no human being unless he's um, psycho. Um, that won't feel, you know, but, uh, some people come here to teach us a few things and, mm. you know, to show us a couple of mirrors. And yeah. I think he's probably one of those who came and he said, I'm going to be one of those who's going to be exceptionally cruel for a while. Yeah. Um, but this is my gift to you to show you who we are as a species. Yes. And on our path to growth. I so agree. So agree. So when you talk about that gift, Jermaine, I see the yin-yang symbol so pertinently in front Mm. of me because it's so easy to say, yes, there's pain in beauty and there's there's something good in every bad and there's something bad in every good. But to acutely feel it is something completely different to live the lesson is something completely different you i'm 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 sensing that you look for lessons actively everywhere you go am i right yes um and i think because for me i've realized that life as you're living it, sometimes you don't feel that, you know, it's going your way, but it's always about retrospect. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look back, you're like, the reason 
I prayed and worked and did this and it still didn't work out is because I needed to be at this moment. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's also trusting in the process of life. You know, you can only do so much, work so hard and, you know, put in so much energy into something before you have to say, I let, you know, I let go. Yeah. I already know. Exactly. You do what you need to do. Exactly. I did what I did. And you take that lesson with you and you move forward and... You know, and, and I think life goes our way probably 70% of the time oh, if yeah. we put in the work. The other, the other 30% is to keep us awake. Mm. It's necessary. You know, it's yeah. like the, the natural state of being is, um, What's the word? Oh, you know, the, the, when my, when when the words go out, I sometimes <laughs> like word come back, come back, come now, back, come to back me. here. <laughs> yeah, the the our natural um, uh, state should be to um, embrace uh, dissension, discord, um, uh, disjointedness, because they're in that's normalcy. That's that's what keep us focused and growing yes. and and compassionate. Candice, we, 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 we're just about out of time, but, mm. you know, you've become this person that's like a beacon of light mm. in a country that, that, that needs people like you. Your final thoughts for anyone listening on forgiveness. Thank you. But, you know, I'd say to people that live a life that you are proud to live. And I think forgiveness is a part of that journey, you know, because people are going to hurt you. Like there's no human being in the world immune to being hurt. And it's about saying that I love myself enough and I'm putting myself first by letting go of the pain and anger that this person has over me. So that's what I'd say that use forgiveness as a tool to improve and grow and love yourself instead of as a tool to emancipate someone else. I can listen to this girl the whole day. Oh. <laughs> I love this conversation. Oh. I hope you loved it too. For me, Liesl Tom, take care. Bye-bye. Candice, it was fabulous having you here. Hopefully Thank we'll you. do that again sometime. Of course. I'm always here. <laughs> and thanks for coming to talk to us. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, that Bye. was beyond. <laughs> okay, she says goodbye, but uh, this was me too then. Goodbye <laughs> from me, Jumaine. Bye now. <laughs> cliffcentral.com